Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The following is a Podcast One Minnesota production. For those who simply can't get enough talk about the Vikings, we present Bonus Chatter. Bonus Chatter about your favorite team that's unscripted, unfiltered, and uninterrupted. This is another edition of 1500 ESPN's Purple Podcast. Hello and welcome into another episode of the Purple Podcast. Matthew Collar along with ESPN's Courtney Cronin here from Winter Park on maybe our last beautiful day out here to wander across the uh, highway over to the practice field. After this, Courtney, I think it gets ugly weather-wise. I, you know better than me. I just, I'm trying to get all of the sunlight in the before I need to like switch over to artificial UV rays and have that thing next to my bed. What is it? The so I don't get sad seasonal affect disorder. Yeah, yeah and yeah. sad. I yeah, don't want to get sad. It's like having a light. Yeah. In your room to make you happy. Yeah, but like ceiling lights don't do that. Well, the nice thing about Minnesota, I don't know if it's this way in Chicago, is that it's sunny when it's minus twenty-five. So even though it's minus twenty-five and your eyeballs are freezing. You're like, yeah, it's not that bad. Yeah, the sun definitely rises in Chicago during the winter. Last I checked. Um, I haven't been there in a few years, though, but I'm excited now. I'll get to experience Midwest winter all over again. But uh, Excited yes. is certainly a word that someone could use about describing the winter. I well, wore my heaviest jacket today. It was 50 degrees, and I was cold. You're going to have to do better on the uh, heavy jacket area. Uh, well, speaking of excited, <laughs> boy, we just couldn't be any more amped up than we are I'm about jacked. the Minnesota Vikings matchup with the Cleveland Browns. The, the 0-7 Cleveland the Browns. The 0-7 Cleveland Browns, although their Pythagorean score has them at 1.7 and 5.3, if you're familiar with the Pythagorean theorem. No? no? No. Okay, so Bill James, the baseball guy, invented this based on run differentials what your win-loss record should be in baseball to kind of indicate if you got unlucky a bit, right? So if your runs came at the wrong time, so maybe you should have been a 90-win team, but you were an 80-win team, that would indicate that you had some bad luck. Or maybe, you, you know, you're an 80-win team, but you won 90 games, so maybe you had some good luck, that sort of thing. So with the Cleveland Browns point differential, they should have at least one win and maybe two, but they would still be atrocious so you're saying they've been unlucky for what the better part of the last two decades <laughs> no no i mean 1.7 and 5.3 like a two and five record would still be horrible it's just that they have had a couple of close games close game yeah. against pittsburgh overtime last... game against uh titans so 
the Pythagorean theorem would assume that they would have won by now, but they are indeed still the Cleveland Browns, and they have won, I believe, one game out of their last 23 over the last two years. Hey, progress, man. So things aren't exactly going that well for Cleveland, and today it was announced that Deshaun Kaiser is going to start again. I, I can't help think, but just the worst organizations stay the worst. I mean, it, it looks it looks worse every single day that they didn't draft Carson Wentz and they didn't draft Deshaun Watson because they thought, oh, they're not good enough prospects. So then the prospect that they do draft, they mess with in his first year. They put him in over his head clearly. He's got three touchdowns and 11 picks way over his head. Can't play. And then they bench him. Okay, fine. Now he's got to stay on the bench and learn. The Kevin Hogan era. But then they put him back in. What are the Cleveland Browns doing? And now they're going to start him again. I mean, it's chaos. It's an absolute cluster of a situation, and I think it's a bad message that you're sending, you know, to the team that they're if they're going to start if you start him, which I don't think was the right decision to start him in the first place when he won the job. What was it by the third week of camp they had announced that, or uh, going into the fourth preseason game? And then, then you bench him. I mean, what does that do to it? It's like with a pitcher. Like, you just leave him in sometimes. I mean, the confidence that that's probably taken away from Deshaun Kaiser. I mean, it's – and then there was the whole thing about there was some video or something today, the other day, about, like, Kaiser being a distraction. Like, I mean, I think it's just a weird situation. Um, anyway, anyway, well, he was up. out, right, yeah. that he was out on a Friday night, which I – you know, I, I, here's the thing with that. Like, No, he's 20-something years old. Like, that, I see it that way. But I also see it the other way as if you're going to be the starting quarterback. Oh, I just got a bug on me. Sorry. If you're going to be the starting quarterback, like you have to hold yourself to a little bit different standard, don't you? Especially when your team's 0-7. If your team is 7-0, and you might be like, yeah, that guy's having as much fun as me watching this team. When you're 0-7, it's yeah, like. but he wasn't the starting quarterback. Maybe just stay home and watch some tape. But he I, wasn't the starting quarterback then. Still, it's semantics, right? but he just got benched. I mean, it's a shoot, man. It's at the 49ers. I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna be on Deshaun Kaiser's side about this. They were all, when I covered them last year, and they were obviously finished two and fourteen. There were all these things that came out about in the locker room. They're playing ping pong. They're listening oh, yes. to music. They're having fun. What do you want them to do? Do you want them to sit home and sulk and be suicidal over their record? No. And I mean, I think yes. I mean. Being out in the clubs, wherever he was, uh, you know, oh well. Things like that happen. People drink. People have fun. I'm 27 years old. I like to go out and have fun. I still think I'm 21 at times. So, you know, I think Deshaun Kaiser, I mean, it's a, it's a bad situation there in Cleveland. you got to do something to, I mean, first off, it's Cleveland. Number two, you have to do something to get yourself out of that rut mentally. Yeah, I don't want to turn the takes up to 11 in terms <laughs> of the heat category because... You know, I, I was in a locker room once in, in Buffalo where the guys had lost a really heartbreaking game, and then they were playing FIFA after. And, of course, one reporter had to come out with, oh, seems like they're really broken up about losing, aren't they? Like, I mean, actually, these guys move on from a loss and focus they're on the next week. They're human beings. They, they unwind just like we unwind. Yeah, and they aren't footballing 100% of the time. Linval Joseph told you he's taking his PS4 over to London. His, what, and if anybody knows what a Mophie is, please at me on Twitter. He said something about um, bringing a Mophie. He's looking for a Mophie. Hopefully that's FCC that approved. I, I don't know <laughs> what that is. Well, my thing, I asked him, I'm like, do, do you have to like worry about, like, do you have to get like an extent, the 
converter plug. He's like, no, you just plug it in a TV. I'm like, okay, well, I learned something. HDMI cords are universal. Oh, well, there you go. <laughs> Good. Good thing we know that now. But the point just being, Linval Joseph is one of the best players in the entire NFL. The guy's going to be over there playing video games because he can't be footballing 100% of the time. Exactly. Uh, so I, I get your point there. I also think if you're going to represent yourself as a franchise quarterback, eh, you, you kind of have to be aware of certain situations, right? I mean, I'm not going to say, hey, Brady would never be seen partying because I'm sure that he has, but... Um, Kaiser's young. He's a rookie. Yeah. I mean, it's 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 something that, you know, five years from now, like, he'll probably be like, yeah, it's probably whatever. Like, probably shouldn't have done that. But I think you look at the whole situation there in Cleveland and just the cluster that it is. I wish I could really say what I want to say, but yeah. I can't. Well, um, I wrote the words cluster bleep in one article last week. I think that's allowed. I think so. I usually do cluster and then just a capital F next to it. Okay. Um, yeah. That has been not been taken out of my stories, at least not that I know of. I mean, I haven't written it recently. It's been it's been a few years, but that was always a favorite. So long as the audience knows how clustery it really is. Exactly. Um, boy, we, we've got distractions here. All sorts of distractions. A giant truck going by <laughs> us. I was attacked by a ladybug. I survived the ladybug attack, if anybody is wondering. Okay. Well, with Deshaun Kaiser, putting him back in... If he had Joe Thomas still playing, I might say, okay, yeah, I get it. Put him back in. This is a tough defense, but you've got the best left tackle in football, so that's okay. He'll handle Everson Griffin for one week. Now you're going to have a backup left tackle going up against Everson Griffin, who is top three at his position so far this year, completely dominating against one of the best shutdown corners in the league, against Harrison Smith, one of the best safeties in the league. Now, this seems like an unwise choice for Hugh Jackson to put his rookie quarterback into this situation. I don't think it worked out that well for Mitch Trubisky to go up against this defense, even though for some reason people said he played good in that game. I, it was a checkdown game. Yeah, I, it was I, very I, Sam Bradford-esque of him. I, I was baffled by headlines that Mitch Trubisky showed promise in going 12 for 26 or something. But it, it, Hey, they won the next two games, right? Yes, on an amazing four-completion performance by Mitch Trubisky. Uh, but the point just being that I think this is a bad choice for the Browns. I think that they should play. If they have any thought of Deshaun Kaiser being their future quarterback, they should not play him in a game like this. I mean, I think you just, you're 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 setting him up for failure. Number three, number four overall defense in the league, number three run defense. And, I mean, they've got a good run defense, too. So I'll give them that. But talking Don't about give the, them anything. <laughs> Not on this podcast. I mean, it's it's for long term, I don't think it's a good message that you're sending to your quarterback, throwing him into the fire there. I mean, it's kind of a dangerous situation too. I mean, he's gonna be he's pretty mobile as it is. He's gonna be running for his life, I think. Uh, we saw that, I mean, in the first week of the season. You know, he's, his pocket awareness is not there yet. That's normal for a rookie. But every game I've seen them play in, I've seen him play in this season, just watching it on replay, um, he's been overmatched. The whole team's overmatched. But per- particularly when you don't have Joe Thomas, who's out for the season, was a ch- tore a muscle, a pectoral muscle. I mean, that's not something to recover from right away. So, uh, you Offensive line continuity is going to be a struggle, and I think he's just going to – I don't know how you approach this with a positive attitude if you're him or any positive outtake. It's not like they're you – know, they're 0-8 right now. Chances of them making the playoffs and starting the turnaround in London, very slim. So what's the point? At this? You're right. Like, why not wait until next year to bring him back? If you sent that message already, this is why – 
when I was when I was growing up, I used to ask my dad watching football games, like, well, if this you know they bench this quarterback and the other quarterback's playing so terribly, well, why don't they go get the other guy off the bench and like the guy that they already benched? And it's just talking about that mentality of like once you do it, you're done. That is that is pretty much the bottom line. It's the unspoken rule. You don't really unbench somebody. But in this case, I mean, maybe maybe they'll go get somebody at the trade deadline. I don't know. It's like they're going out of their way to look incompetent with <laughs> bringing him in and out. And they only have really one offensive weapon, and that's Duke Johnson. Mm-hmm. And he's a pretty good running back out of the backfield. He has to catch a lot of passes because Deshaun Kaiser can't work the ball downfield. They set up they set up Kaiser with a pretty good offensive line, but they set him up with no weapons. Yeah, I mean, what Kenny Britt is a really bad player who seems to cause trouble everywhere he goes and I don't even know if he's playing now is he just like benched or something I mean he he's just a mess so what else have you got they, they let Terrell Pryor walk so you don't have him anymore you basically have Njoku the tight end mm-hmm. and then Johnson and that's about it and not a halfway decent offensive line that's now a lot less decent because Joe Thomas isn't playing and even with that great offensive line he was the worst quarterback in the league I mean dead last you can't try. If you on Madden tried to throw three touchdowns and 11 picks, you couldn't do it. The, the other team would drop the interceptions enough times for you not to have a 47 quarterback rating. And, the, and like, he if – if there was some lesson to be learned here, be taught, you know, he was, what, 12 of 20 last week, and they benched him again last week. Like, they brought in, what, Cody Kessler? Like, you know, I don't – what message is going on here? It's like you, you can start the game. We'll, we'll, we'll keep you as our, our penciled-in starter every week. But if you suck and if you're just terrible, we're going to bench you. I mean, that's just – you're screwing with a guy at that point. And if, as, as you said, the, the confusion and I guess just the chaos around that team, every time you think they've hit rock bottom, it's only worse. Only gets worse. And on the defensive side, there was one reason to like the Cleveland Browns defense, and that was Miles Garrett. Mm-hmm. And he is in concussion protocol, and yeah. there's a good chance that Miles Garrett will not play after getting four sacks in three games. So now the Vikings offensive line goes from, hey, you're really going to be tested, Riley Reef, to I don't even know who the next guy is <laughs> that's going to be rushing the passer for the Browns, and you feel like you should dominate. Which leads me to this, Courtney. Uh, how could the Vikings lose this game? It, I mean, we played this game a little bit with the mm-hmm. Ravens, but the Ravens have a few good players, especially on defense. They have the two good safeties. Terrell Suggs could still play, and the, the Vikings needed a bunch of field goals to beat them. This game is almost unfathomable that they could lose, and in the Mike Zimmer era, there's only been one time where he lost to a team that finished with five or fewer wins, and that was last year against the Chicago Bears. And that was a mess, and the offensive coordinator quit after the game. And Zimmer is usually taking care of business against really terrible teams. I, I, I am trying to imagine a scenario where they lose this game, and it's very difficult. I'm just going to go back to what I said last week, that if Case Keenum throws four interceptions at a return for touchdowns, that's the only way that they lose. I guess it would be the most Vikings thing ever to lose this game. Um, I don't, I just, it's hard to draw up a scenario and it's honestly kind of hard to take the Browns seriously and take players seriously right now who are going and being, this they're a good football team. You know, the cliche, oh, just a few plays away from a victory. I mean, yeah, that, that was the case again in their overtime loss in, uh, you know, to Tennessee last week, but it just, there's no excuse if they lose this game. I mean, if they lose this game, somebody's Somebody should probably lose a job if they lose this game. And Tennessee is a pretty flawed team. Yeah. 
Uh, even if uh, they have a decent record, and I think a good quarterback in Marcus Mariota, but he's been dinged up, and they had the short week to mm-hmm. the Monday night game, and, and they've got their own shortcomings there. So I've never looked at Tennessee as like, man, they played Tennessee tight. Yeah, okay. Congra- Actually, that was a winnable game for right. them. Congratulations. I mean, Tennessee is just another team in the league. Um, but the scenario that you laid out, I think, is the only one that could happen outside of special teams. I mean, a, a pick six, a kickoff return for touchdown, and Cleveland plays way better defense the rest of the game, stops your run. But how are they going to stop the run? I, mean, I think what the Vikings have done in the run game here, it, we've talked about it, it seems like, every week, but it's really the reason they've been able to survive having Case Keenum as their quarterback. Yeah. The fact that they are in the top ten in running both guards per carry and overall rushing it's set up all the play-action plays. I was talking to David Morgan about that today, just his role in this offense, which <laughs> it wasn't something we brought up a whole lot in training camp. Like, David Morgan's going to have a big role in this offense, but he plays one every four plays, and they've been really good in those big packages with uh, play-action and things like that. So it seems like how, how would this team even stuff your run because they're so poor on defense? So the only scenario is if Case Keenum has a meltdown and... He did have a meltdown his last time in London. Yeah, as we as we so uh, so kindly found out, he threw four interceptions. I would have never gone back and looked at that, but um, we know that now. One thing I will point out, though, about Thank goodness <laughs> for the press conferences that happen out here. I am wearing a T-shirt today that says the word football because Mike Zimmer made my year by answering a question with the word football. I mean, you could you think he's a football guy to begin with? I mean, it doesn't get any any more football than that but I will bring up one thing about their defense the only other team that limits te- opponents to less yards per carry in the run Cleveland Browns and the Denver Broncos just by like 0.2 of a yard but I still think they have a good run defense um, but they're so limited as we talked about you know Miles Garrett's out I mean there's probably going to be four other injuries at this point um, that we don't know about yeah he's going to the injury report but I, I think just, like with that run defense for Cleveland you have to figure other teams have been beating their brains in and other teams are just like, all right, let's get this over with, or we're up in this game. Let's not let them back in. Let's just stuff it up the middle. Right. I mean, I haven't watched specifically Cleveland Browns tape to see if they're stuffing the run in key situations. Although how many key situations have there even been? This team is so bad. Yeah. They've been blown out in a lot of their games. They have not really been close. A couple times. times. Yeah. Like, but it's, but even then, sometimes a game could be separated by three, but it's really like the Pittsburgh game. Well, Pittsburgh mm-hmm. was in control, and then they score at the end. Like the Ravens score that absurd touchdown last week. I wish that Judd and I had talked about that more. Why? Why, Ravens? Well, I mean, What the, good does this do for you? The Saints did it week one, too, I mean, down the, down the stretch. And, I mean, I think it's, it's, that's moral victories for you. I would have just quit at that point if I were them. But, no, I mean, I think you're, you are right. There is the Cleveland's – no one's talking about Cleveland's run defense. I was just bringing up a stupid statistic to try to prove a point. Yeah, the, the whole national media really missing <laughs> a big story there But the run I guess back to Keenum, um, in terms of what you were saying with him being, you know, a little bit more flawed, that was the first time we saw him last week look like a backup quarterback. And I've been I've been pretty – I've been pretty much riding the Case Keenum train for a little bit, thinking that – 
they don't need to go to Teddy until he's fully healthy. Um, it was a question I got from my mailbag last week. So let's say everybody is 100% healthy. That's how you're going for it. What happens after the bye when the window is closed and, they, you know, if they move him to the 53-man, which I think they will, um, or move him to IR, who starts? And I think that you have to give it to Teddy at this point because even one outing, like what we saw against the Ravens, is probably indicative of more things like that to come. Underthrown balls. The whole first half, he was miss timing throws, missing his receivers. You know, throwing to the out, throwing to you know the sideline a lot of times, and you know, only one, only once they started throwing over the middle did they get things going. But even still, the offense was stalling on third down so much. I mean, that's what led Kai Forbath to being as successful as he was and being as needed as he was. What a day um, for Kai. Yeah, NFC uh, NFC special teams offense. NFC Special Teams Player of the Week. That's a mouthful. We'd like to congratulate Kai Forbath. Can they give him Offensive Player of the he, Week, too? Well, I mean, I mean he, he deserved it. He scored 18 of, points. Was there anybody else who scored 18 points by themselves? I don't believe so. I mean, other than touchdown passes, but any receiver or running back? Hmm? If you had Kai Forbath on your fantasy team, you had a day. Yeah. You went off. So the Fantasy Football Player of the Week is Kai Forbath. Congratulations, Kai. <laughs> Did you see that someone tweeted out a picture of Cobra Kai with Kai Forbath, like, on his head? Yes. Photoshop. Twitter's a fun place. Yeah, if only Kai Forbath would show us the personality that we know is in there, but rent-a-kickers, they really don't (laughs) want to talk a whole lot. Because if I were a kicker and a reporter came up to me and said, so how far can you kick it from? Which was a real question after the, the game. Like, I don't know, just look up the farthest I've kicked it from, and that's how far. But... I think I would want to have a little fun with that. I bet. Oh, 80 yards? At least 80. Barefoot? I start with 80. I, I might say, you know what? I've talked to Shermer, and I've said, look, maybe we should kick the field goal on second down. <laughs> like, if you don't get a big play on first down, let's just go for it right there because I can nail it from 97. If you kick it right from the 20-yard line, or is touchbacks now to the 25. Yeah. Take the touchback, kick the field goal. Move the game along real quick. <laughs> right. Yeah, right. I'll nail it. I'll knock it down. That. Now, Justin Tucker, now he might be able to do that. Did you see how much that went in by from 57? Yeah, that was, that was, I mean, he's got a boot, too. And I think Kai was also asked, he's like, you know, can, you know, it, 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 with kickers, like you and I talked about, it's like, what do you ask them? Like, Here's what I want. I want some people to tweet me at Matthew Collar and tell me what we're supposed to ask the kicker after he makes a bunch of field goals. I mean, you can ask about positioning and on which side of the hash you put it on. But other than that, so were you trying to get it? Like, how, were you trying to get under it a little bit more? So, I mean, what do you ask? Did you kick it, like, as hard as you could? I, I would, like, with, um, that'd be like asking a NASCAR racer. So, so like, you floored it, right? <laughs> like, at the end, when you were losing, the other guy was winning. You just, like, pedal to the metal. Like, Kai, no, but did to, you kick it real hard to, to, to go to go back on your slight of NASCAR. Racing is all strategy because it's gas, it's conserving gas, it's learning when to give and go. I I think that your slight right, on NASCAR that's the purple there. podcast. We can just wrap it up <laughs> with uh, NASCAR strategy. But hey, if you want to talk F one strategy, I'm all about it. But because there's you need a lot of that. I, I don't. Okay, all right. Well, back to Kai. Um, he was asked, like, you know, how far can you kick it? Can you kick 60, 60 yarders? And he's like, yeah, in practice, I kick 60 yarders all the time. Well, that's different. Um, the conundrum here, though, is he keeps making these field goals, made six, six of six last week, first time it's ever happened in his career, and he's missing the extra point that does not change distance, like unless there's a penalty or something assessed there. But 
why? I just, I, I don't, I don't know if there's a mental block. I'm not going to even try to, like, I'm going to go call Ray Guy after this and figure it out because I just don't understand. Ray Guy? Yeah, Southern Miss, man. Oh, okay. All right. I was wondering what the connection there was. No, nah, I mean, I... It was a Raider. You were out there with the Raiders. Mm-hmm. Um, I actually did a story last year where I interviewed a former kicker about the mental parts of Blair Walsh missing field goals Mm -hmm. and got his advice on what he would tell Blair Walsh. So you're not that far off. Now, it would be the most football thing ever to hire an extra point specialist. That would be so football. You waste a roster spot on that. I mean, it's, not, it's probably not wasting. I used to get, when I covered recruiting in Mississippi, Dan Mullen, who's the coach of Mississippi State, for the longest time would never put kickers on scholarship. And then games came down to extra points or field goals. Hashtag and, college kickers. And they missed them. I'm like, put some, get somebody and put them on scholarship. Like, that's, it's, and that's, I think it's such a, it's a position that if you, if you don't, if you're not a kicker, if you're not a special, you know, a specialist, a punter, you don't really understand it. In hindsight, do you like that they moved the extra point back or not? Nah? It didn't really do much for me. I mean, I think moving uh, start when the, where the game starts after you know you return. I think moving that up was smart. Um, but well, it hasn't made much of a difference to yeah, anyone like except this team. And, that, and that's the thing I think is just so funny about it, where you know historically this team has had a lot of issues with spe- on special teams, and it's still kind of an even after they adjust, um, you know placement it's still kind of an issue and this dude's awesome from from large distances what was his longest 53 uh well yeah 53 i think and he can't make the extra he can't make the extra point i there's a i don't know what the mental block is he seemed pretty fine about it. he said yeah i'll lose a little sleep over it but it's not going to bother me long term um the guy has made every field goal except one and can't make these extra points what four misses this season three of them have been on field goal on uh extra points yeah but that's he hasn't he didn't miss any last year, any field goals. I don't know, it's, man. It's baffling. Robert Aguayo. Like, I just I just go back to that situation and, and what a cluster that is. <laughs> <laughs> cluster pause. That Bleak. is. Uh, okay, enough Kai Forbath talk. I just wish that kickers would be more hilarious when we ask them really stupid questions because you cannot ask a kicker a smart question. Is there, it's not possible. What's the thing with punters are funny? I covered Marquette King, and the guy was a loose cannon in the best way. I mean, he's hilarious, and I think some of that has worn its, uh, outworn its welcome. And Pat McAfee was hilarious. Why can't kickers be funny? I don't even know the Vikings punter's name. Ryan Quigley. Oh, okay. That's great. Yeah. I'm sure he's wonderful. He's a nice guy. We talked to him after uh, week two when uh, they botched the uh, <laughs> that, that lame oh, throw okay. to, right. to Blake Bell. What would be... What would be a thing that could get me to interview a punter? I mean, if you're Marquette King, I think you just ride around in a Segway all day and or whatever the heck the floorboard thing is. Yeah, yeah, but then you're like trying too hard. Mm-hmm. I mean, mocking your teammate Michael Crabtree by wearing a chain after the whole uh, keep yes. to leave incident. I'm sure that went over great uh, for yeah. the punter to do that. Um, <laughs> I did know it was Ryan Quigley because we see him every day in the locker room. It's just, just kind of a guy, just a punter, just a guy. I mean, unless you really screw up, there isn't much to. Yeah, ask that's the, the thing punter. with special teams that you know they they don't really get, they get praise, not a whole ton of praise. They don't get the same praise as somebody of scoring a touchdown. But if they screw up, the fingers pointed. I also don't understand any mechanics of punting or kicking at all. So I mean, 
so did you have your left foot a little too far or what you know i mean hey you know what's amazing is they snap it really hard and it never dinks the guy in the face except that one time with the dolphins how funny was that your thoughts i made a bet last year uh when i was covering the raiders they played the chargers and their dude was punting balls like 16 yards it was horrible and i had a bet with my beat writer i was like you know i'm gonna i can do that because i was a soccer goalie jv soccer goalie 2006 um had to stop playing because like, i was put into my mom's concussion protocol which oh. uh that's that's once you're in that you don't get out you and miles garrett it, me and anthony barr as of circa last friday um but i also wasn't beamed in the head by my own teammate it was usually other teammates that came after my jaw like you know that's where you knock somebody's jaw out of alignment you give them concussion but i could punt the ball that's where this comes down to so i mean yeah i do i don't i don't know a lot about it so but did i could you punt it more than 16 yards yes Yes. I wondered throughout training camp if we could catch a punt, and I think the answer is no. I was initially somewhat confident, but then I was watching closely with them really doing it, not just like the punt machine or just doing it to like help out the returner, mm-hmm. but spinning it, kicking it as high That's as hard. they could. It looks really difficult. Can you tell the Vikings are playing the Browns? Where our tangent is right now? What am I supposed to break down here with the Vikings and Browns? We were talking on Twitter the other day that we were not going to talk about the however many quarterbacks there have been since 2000. I cheated and I Googled it, and apparently my answer wasn't right. I said 24 since 99, and somebody else like, no, it's 28 or whatever it was. I guess including this year's guys. Thank goodness there was someone there to correct you. (laughs) Um, Well, let's let's just pause now rewind back to the quarterback situation for the vikings because um mike zimmer with a big smile said we'll see about teddy bridgewater starting in london i see there as a zero percent chance or zero zero one whatever i guess with the vikings you never say there's no chance of anything because one time some people were hanging from a giant banner at the stadium so i wouldn't have thought there was a chance of that happening (laughs) um but there's there's almost no chance of Teddy Bridgewater starting after he's been in practice we've talked to him at least the one time have you rethought when you see him potentially coming back or how are you sensing that situation right now you know it's I don't ever want to be somebody that flip-flops back and forth and I, I did you know I did write right after they activated him to go back to practice when they cleared him that you know right now they should stick with Case Keenum he's not he's not a problem right now he's not causing you anything you know any issues on offense and that was coming out of the Green Bay game and then I got a question last week from my mailbag about okay well let's say everyone's healthy fully healthy meaning I can go in and I can move Sam Bradford like Oh, yeah, that's right. You you mentioned that, and I wanted to double back on, on a follow-up question on you, on that mailbag okay. question. Does 100% healthy mean old Teddy, or does it mean... Everyone. It was The the question was if, if everybody's healthy, oh, if Case Keenum's okay. healthy, if, if Sam Bradford's healthy, and if Teddy's healthy, who do they start? But Teddy is 2015 Teddy. Like, 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 like good to go, legs. healthy, like knee is back, okay. okay. All right. And I think, you know, you're, yes, you're thinking right now, hey, our path to the division title is clear. We're 6-2. and two. Um, Because this is factoring in after the bye week, so week 10. They go to Washington. Um, this is thinking towards the future. You have, none of these dudes are on the, on the roster next year. Like, they're all free agents. Who is going to be your franchise quarterback going forward? And 
I don't see any way that it's Sam Bradford. I know that we got some knocks last week on the podcast, and, you know, for not talking about Bradford, thinking of him as an afterthought. Well, if you can read between the lines, it's because I don't think he's going to play another game in a Vikings uniform. And come at me if that's the case. If he does play, I will I will eat my words. And I know that Mike Zimmer was asked about it last week. Sam did see a specialist last week and the week before. Um, Chris Mortensen of ESPN said that he got he was leave it Regenokine or something. It was five shots of it in his knee. He's still dealing with these issues. And regardless of if he's able to play, it sounds like like what we've seen, that this is an issue that continues right now to be a problem. Whether it pops up again in the future, no one knows. But that's why I haven't been mentioning him much, just because, I mean, first off, this is the seventh straight practice we haven't seen him. Um, Mike Zimmer said he would be traveling to London. I don't know if that's going to happen or not. Teddy, I, I yeah. think at this point we don't know if anything Mike Zimmer says about these players is true. Right? I mean, I mean, it's fair. Coaches yeah. do this all the time, mislead media on where things are. But, I mean, smoke screens. Yes, <laughs> smoke, as some may say, uh, smoke screens. But, I mean, really, though, like from the beginning it was, oh, he's going to be fine. It's yeah, day-to-day. Day day. Okay. And it's been since week one outside of one half in Chicago that we've seen Sam Bradford. So it doesn't seem to me like it's okay. And it doesn't seem to me either like Sam Bradford is coming back. Now, the question that you were asked is really interesting. Uh, I think Teddy Bridgewater is a better quarterback than Sam Bradford. But if they were both healthy at the same time, coming off the injuries that they came off of, considering who the offensive coordinator is, that Sam Bradford was really integral in designing this offense in the offseason, I actually might say Sam Bradford here, as much as I appreciate Teddy Bridgewater and his talent and his ability to step up big in big situations and what he's overcome to be here. And I also thought that he was underappreciated because of quarterback rating being a bad stat for what he did in 2015. I think he was fantastic. But him coming off what he had to deal with versus what Bradford, I mean, with Bradford, it seems like it's just a pain issue. Mm -hmm. And so if that's exactly what Zimmer said weeks ago, pain management, that that was going to be, he hoped it wouldn't be an issue, but that's what it was. So if he just wasn't feeling any pain anymore, he's back to being Sam Bradford, the same guy from week one. Whereas Teddy, even if the knee is ready to go, we're not sure what that's going to look like because the, the one thing with Teddy, where I try to pump the brakes a little is that uh, Marcus Lattimore came back. Like, he was in practice. He was in training camp. Like, he was. He convinced the 49ers that he could actually do it, and then after a while they realized, okay, I, this, this really isn't going to work, then he's not going to respond. And to me, that's the most comparable injury to what Teddy Bridgewater went through. So until he's really able to do full practices, not just with the scout team, like Zimmer mentioned last week that he was working mostly with the scout team, I mean, until we get to full practices, until he takes some hits, until he can go in real games, we don't really know how that's going to be. I think if Sam Bradford's knee is back, not like Chicago back, but real back, I I think he's probably the better guy to go with. And Case Keenum is not in this conversation. Yeah, and that's fair. But I also think if they don't let Bridgewater play this season – I mean, you just the, the contract tolling, all that aside, who do you want to be your quarterback in 2018 and beyond? I mean, if this is a guy that Mike Zimmer is very passionate about, he loves this guy, he said that, this is, he would be the starting quarterback had nothing happened August 30th, 2016, and we're not talking about this right now. Um, I think they need to know what they have with him next year to determine, hey, do we 
you know, do we want to sign, sign this guy to a long-term deal? I mean, how, how else would you know if he, if he doesn't play? And one of my scenarios that I had a while ago was make him a backup for now. Make him, Case Keenum needs a reliable backup that's not Kyle Slaughter. I know that you're so concerned about how Kyle Slaughter's playing, um, and it is you, something that— Some of the tweets I got when they signed him, you would have thought that they got the next John Elway. Oh, I mean, yeah. I thought it was, yeah. Like, I mean, I— I mean, how much they paid him to be a practice squad guy. I mean, they thought they probably thought he was John Elway. But yeah, twenty five thousand or something. Yeah, it was a lot for like. I think Harrison Smith just spent that on lunch, but yeah. not on his on his free and uh, Anderson Deho oh, shirt. Yeah. yeah, get a real shirt, guys. <laughs> yeah, seriously. That, we should we should talk about that as well. But finish, yes. finish your. Um, point. I mean, I, I just I, you need to know what you have with him. At some point this season, he has to play. Um, I just am not really certain that Sam Bradford's going to be back at the point where he's going to be physically able to hold up for weeks on end. If it's just one game, what do you really get when you're are you Deshaun Kaisering the situation here where you're going from, you know, Bradford feels good this week. Well, he had a setback. Well, he twisted his knee. You know, nobody wants to ever see what happened in Chicago. That was dangerous, regardless of what the medical staff said here and the decision to start him okay. But the decision to keep him in as long as they did was dangerous. I don't, that's just, that's how I saw it. And I just, I worry for Bradford's health. If, you know, if this is an issue that is going to continue to pop up. Um, but I mean, there's so many hypotheticals. That's the thing with the Bridgewater and Bradford situation that with all these hypotheticals, no one's probably going to be right about them. Maybe I saw, I think Judd said the other day, um, he predicts that he comes in, I think it's the second half of the Atlanta game. Yeah. That's December 1st, I want to say. It's the first, and it's the weekend of the SEC championship. Go figure. In I, Atlanta. I've got Thanksgiving. I'm sticking with that. I'm sticking with he starts at Thanksgiving yeah. on a short week to get him ready. He'll, he'll have more time to prepare. Yeah. But I think sooner than later, you have to get him in, right? I mean, if he's practicing and he's looking like an NFL quarterback out there with the scout team and whatever, he gets first team reps. I think sooner than later he has to go in because what you don't want is to be nine and four or something. And and not know who your quarterback for the playoffs is. That's a problem. And that's why with like what I was answering last week, um, it's assuming he's totally healthy. It's assuming he's taking first team reps. It's assuming he's ahead of schedule Um, with, you know, what we talked about last week, how he did kind of drop a line of I was ready to go weeks ago. I could have done this a couple weeks ago. Okay, well, let's, you know, the situation is is convoluted as the situation with Bradford's knee. I mean, yeah. it's all unknown. With him um, saying that. And we don't get to see it. We don't get to see what reps he's taking out there. Right, right. With, with him saying that, was he trying to say, I'm going to be back sooner than later? I mean, was that what he was trying maybe. to indicate? Maybe, or maybe it's him saying, hey, this is a training staff's hold up, not mine. Right, and don't toll my contract. Yeah. <laughs> However, Do not screw me. I mean, that's like, another thing. Yeah. Before we touch on the Sandejo hit, because um, I just don't think it's that big of a storyline going into a game against the Browns. If this was a game against the Packers with Aaron Rodgers, I would think, wow, this is big news that Sandejo's out. Mm-hmm. But seeing that it's a quarterback that has a 47 rating this season, I just see it as, okay, Anthony Harris should be able to fill that spot. Um, but with where was I going to go with this question? Talking about Sandejo, not a big deal. No, the, I, I was going to pull back to the Bradford or the uh, Bridgewater scenario, but I got distracted by a truck. <laughs> ah, yes, doing this outside. It's a great day. Uh, well, anyway, do you, I assume you agree with the Sandejo thing. Did yes. you? What did you think of the hit? When I watched it again, 
it looked it looked worse on second on second watch. And when I slowed it down to see what Mike Zimmer was saying about how the receiver basically established himself as a runner, he took two or three extra steps. Um, I get it in that sense, but he was in the process of being tackled by Xavier Rhodes. Like I think he had, if I'm remembering it correctly, his left knee was nearly on the ground when Sandejo came in Danny Trevathan style. And, you know, it makes it worse that his helmet was knocked off for sure. Don't think that that has, very, that that is 100% part of it because he's laying out you know the it was ruled the ball was ruled dead but you know Rhodes was forcing the fumble and he got it and um I think you know the NFL is so concerned about concussions and rightfully so that they're trying to find anything they can make an example of to be like this is not how you do it you do not lead with your head and I think it's tough for safeties a lot of times um you know especially a situation like that too where he's in momentum I mean, it does look like he's coming flying out of nowhere, but think about what Anthony Barr said last week. You have a split second to divert your path. And he thought he was just, you know, coming in. It was going to be a combo tackle on his stat sheet at the end of the day. Um, it, it, you know, it's, it's the right call for them to do it, but um, those a lot of those hits, I mean, yes, the the – Player per, player safety guy said this is it could have been avoidable. That's how they they look at it, and he's probably right. You know, I don't know if the but the play was not being ruled dead at that time, was it? Like, um, no, I don't think so. Was it like ruled the, the fumble? It was ruled the fumble. Ruled, right? it, but they overturned it. That was part of the call there because it was not ruled a forced fumble for Xavier Rhodes because they didn't get the ball back or the, the Ravens got the ball back. Um, I think with the Trevathan hit, there were f- three or four Bears defenders. Um, in the process of tackling, the play was dead, and then he comes flying in. That's why I don't see it as complete similarities. I mean, a very same style hit, but one play was already basically dead, and the other, I think, you know, that ball, Rose thought it was live. I think it's kind of just a product of how Andrew Sendejo plays. I mean, he just seems to fly everywhere at 110 miles an hour and throw his body at people, which is a good thing at times and a bad thing at times. But this isn't the first time he's been penalized for this uh, by the league. He got a $25,000 suspension before. So I, I wonder if that was part of it, too. Like, eh, you know, we've dinged you before for hits like this, and you haven't gotten the message, mm-hmm. so now you're finally – I don't know if that they're allowed to factor the past, but I feel like they should be. So that would make sense to me. Uh, but I, don't well, I mean, it's it's you think about like the hitting a referee. If you hit him once, it's a huge fine, and then if you hit him again, isn't it an even bigger fine? It's I mean, it's, it's automatic suspension and a fine. I mean, it's suspension. You know, with the, I'm just thinking the Marshawn Lynch thing. I'm I'm remembering oh, right, the rule. Right. I'm picturing the rule list right now where it's happens once, this happens, happens the second time, it's okay, an increased yeah. fine, and then there's, I think at least some of them have automatic suspensions attached, like hitting a ref. Yeah, yeah, hitting a ref. That's topical, we could talk about that. Uh, yeah, that was a, a strange and a bizarre incident. Um, yeah. But, um, well. With Sandejo. Well, no, Sandejo, I think, was open and shut. I mean, mm-hmm. Zimmer's reaction had his back. I think that the players are a little defensive of Sendejo. It's really interesting that on the defensive side, there's a couple guys that they're very defensive of. Where if you, let's say you ask someone about Terrence Newman, they're going to be like, oh, he's great. You know, he's a smart guy and all this stuff. What about Andrew Sendejo? He's better than you think. Like, I didn't say anything. I just asked you how good Andrew Sendejo is. You know, I, I've gotten that a handful of times. So it seems like they're defensive of him to begin with because he's the one or one or maybe two, three players that's a non-star 
mm-hmm. on the defensive side. Normally, I think it would be a much bigger loss than it's going to be in this game. Uh, but I would have thought that about the Indianapolis game last year. So if we pull back to the scenarios where things could fall apart, the fact that Sendejo's not in and Anthony Harris has been lit up before against Indianapolis, then I guess that's one of the scenarios. But uh, I still have a very tough time seeing it. Well, when they, they got lucky that Rodgers was out of that game, can you imagine how yes. different that would have gone if you know Sendejo had the groin injury then? Had Anthony Harris had to, I think he would have been – I think it would have been a much different scenario, situation, uh, outcome, had he been had Aaron Rodgers been playing. I think it's a given, though. But um, he shouldn't be tested that much. Deshaun Kaiser can't throw the ball that far. <laughs> yeah, I mean, unless at least that we haven't seen. I mean, right. he's not. I mean, unless he somehow finds it. Yeah. I, I mean, I, it's just hard. It's hard to anticipate. That's what I come back to. Is this week is really sort of just looking for something to be interesting between these two teams and it really isn't and i was going to ask you at the end of the podcast to name cleveland browns quarterbacks but you cheated i did cheat i'm sorry do you have a favorite cleveland browns bad quarterback johnny manzel that's a strong choice <laughs> i mean it's it's a fun one um just think other than that i mean that was the first one i thought of just because of the cluster situation that that was and how they handle that and that was what three years ago they still kind of haven't learned of how to like manage that position very well uh i think see cleveland browns quarterbacks i think i have a good track record historically of figuring out or guessing correctly when quarterbacks will be busts and when they won't so you know like blaine gabbert for example the guy who comes out of nowhere at the draft who you never heard of blake bortles is this guy too Mm -hmm. like Especially if his name is something like Blaine or Blake. Like, I never heard of this guy, and he's got a weird name. So, like, he's not going to be anything. That's that's a second part of that is a joke. But, I mean, usually when all of a sudden someone becomes the hot candidate rising up the draft boards, you should be skeptical of that quarterback. I never heard of this guy. And then all of a sudden everybody's saying he's going to be good. Like, that's kind of weird because I watch college football every Saturday, and I think I would have noticed that people were talking about Blaine Gabbert or something, right? And then all of a sudden, he's better than Cam Newton, according to Mike Mayock. Like, what is happening? So I assume that was going to be a bust. But two of them for Cleveland have been big misses for me. I thought Manziel would be good. And still, minus the blow, I think he would have been. Uh, and Colt McCoy. I actually thought Colt yeah. McCoy was going to be good. That was that was on my list as well. Derek I... Anderson had a minute, too. Yeah, Brady Quinn. Remember how far he fell, and then they kept showing him on the draft night? I felt so bad for that dude because it was kind of a similar situation. Wasn't Manziel drafted like 20th overall, and Quinn 